When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to talk tackle topics like lowering our standards, <laughs> hiding from our parents, meeting our partners halfway, and learning from our successes and failures. But first, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we don't know anything. Yeah. Sam struggles to say <laughs> tackle topics like... Every time. Every episode. Every Spencer, single time. I mean, Big Cats, sorry, <laughs> just outed you. <laughs> Big Cats has to edit it out, and that's why I laughed when he said that. No, it's, it's legit. Anyway, we don't know what we're talking about. We no. are... We might appear to be, like, high-functioning and emotionally intelligent adults, but that, my friends... <laughs> Is a pretty big facade, a mirage, if you will. Mm -hmm, It is. Uh, Remember a couple episodes I told you that, like, I would be embarrassed to tell you how much I spent on getting my car out of an impound lot? (laughs) I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got my fucking car towed this (laughs) week. I thought I... I thought it was stolen because I thought there was no way that my car would get towed from outside my painted black apartment. (laughs) But, the house of Satan, as we like to call yeah, it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, street cleaning signs put up by the police that were probably four inches by four inches that I didn't see. Yeah. Because. You got to be on the lookout for those. No, anyway. Next yeah. time I see them, I will text you and let you know that they're there. Thank you. Because we do live on the same street. Right. Exactly. <laughs> also, we are not fully formed adults because um, I dropped my very expensive iPhone. Mm-hmm. In the bathtub. Oh. Yeah, and now... <laughs> Were you bathing and, like, looking at Instagram? Yes, bitch. <laughs> okay. Of course I was. <laughs> Hashtag self-care. You told everybody to do that. <laughs> it's true. It's um, true. But now my the volume on my very expensive iPhone is constantly on loud. Oh, And, great. like, I'll be texting, but the volume will, will like, pop up on loud. La- like, so, so sometimes I have to turn the volume down to see what people text me. <laughs> It's definitely broken. <laughs> I'm definitely going to keep it like that for the next three years. Of course. Yeah. Uh, my very expensive iPhone, also, I dropped it, and it, it cracked, and now, like, the vibration thing in it is broken, so it goes every time <laughs> every time it vibrates, or every time I open the phone. It's like knocking on you. Yeah, can I? I yeah, let's if you see. can hear it. Oh, my God, I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Yeah. So I took it in and they were like, it's going to be $60 to replace the thing, the vibrator thing. And I was like, okay, I, like 60 bucks, I guess I can handle that. And they were like, also your screen is cracked. So we're going to have to replace that before we can do it. And that's another 160. And I was like, I'm just going to live with this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to live with a creaky old man of a phone. <laughs> anyway, this is all to say we are not high functioning adults. No. We barely know what we're talking about. Please seek our advice as you see fit. We are just here to offer our humble using to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding and mostly confusing experience that is love. Welcome to episode 21. Episode 21. Yay, shots, shots, shots. 18 to get busy, 21 to get dizzy. Oh my God. (laughs) I 
I've never heard that before. And I'm so glad that my life was sheltered up until this point so that I could hear that for the crisp in my ears for the first time on our episode. It was on like a little like, you know, on campus, they would like hand out little things about clubs every Friday, like they're they never gave them to me because I had too strong of a bitch face on. I was like, don't talk to me. But they gave me one and it was like all ages club, 18 to get busy, 21 to get dizzy. And then I thought that was really funny. Yeah, it's cute. Um, Did you drink underage? Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Stupid question. Did you drink at bars underage? No. No, I didn't have a fake ID. I didn't have a fake ID. I just had a f- a little tiny dive bar to go to, like in a little a townie bar. Oh, where I grew up. Anyway, I mean, I, I'm from Wisconsin, right? So yes, like my parents could take me to restaurants as like at any age, and they could buy me booze. Oh, so like really? I had like champagne at our my sister's confirmation brunch at like eleven. What? <laughs> yeah. I, there's so many things that I'm processing right now. One, I did not know about that law in Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin is really big on drinking. You can buy, like, bottles of gin in gas stations. But and you like, can give people underage. As long as your parent is there, you can drink. Like, if your parent is buying you the booze, then you can wow. drink. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm just processing that. <laughs> I just had no idea. And number two... I'm not really sure how I feel about your parents giving you champagne at 11. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to, like, settle that in my stomach right now. As I recall, it wasn't, like, a full, like, it wasn't, like, a glass, like, a whole glass of champagne. Yeah, it had like, orange like, juice Everyone had, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but everyone at the table had, like, a glass of champagne. Because it was, like, a fancy brunch place with, like, if, multiple courses. And then, so, like, I drank, like, two sips of it. And then they took it away And from you me. were wasted. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Um... Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I. Um, my parents are probably like pulling their hair out right now. Oh my god, they're mortified <laughs> that you told people that. Listen, Blackwells, it's okay. I don't drudge you. Drudge you? I don't judge you. You just judged them. No, I didn't. I was just um, processing. <laughs> processing. You're like, are you judging me? I'm like, no, I'm processing. <laughs> um, but I used to drink at this tiny little like towny dive bar um in upstate new york called the oak and i would get in like the bouncers would either be friends of friends or whatever but i would go there the whole year i was 20 mm-hmm. and then i celebrated my 21st birthday by buying by buying the shiniest tiniest prom dress from jc pennies <laughs> like it was like a little baby doll dress uh-huh. covered in sparkles and glitter and like um tinsel <laughs> uh-huh I got wasted, wore a princess crown, went down to the oak and was like, it's my 21st birthday. And they were like, uh, we've been serving you for nine months, <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that was foolish on your part. Yeah. So we have two awesome, exciting announcements today. Um, the first is uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone, in honor of this strange uh, American holiday. We are going to do our next, our second happy hour live Instagram hangout um, this coming Sunday, uh, November 25th at 4 p.m. Central Time. Um, And I'll put up posts on Instagram advertising this to make sure you guys can come and hang out. Um, But yeah, we're really excited to hang out with you on Instagram again Sunday, uh, November. I keep on wanting to say August. That is incorrect. (laughs) November 25th at 4 p.m., Central time, come drink a glass of wine with us and we'll answer your questions, shout out, et cetera. Hear about all of your horror stories from Thanksgiving. It'll yeah. be fun. 
I'm super excited. We had so much fun doing it the first time. I had and so like, much fun. And then we just never did it again. Yeah, yeah, we're like, that was so much fun. We do it every week. Two months later. <laughs> um, and the second announcement is one that I'm really, really excited about. Um, we Let's talk a little bit about the podcast before I share the announcement. So sure. um, when I asked Sam if he wanted to do this podcast with me, we, he was instantly into it. We were really excited. And in the beginning, we like set some tiny goals. Mm-hmm. And Sam, what was your your number one <laughs> only goal for the podcast? My goal was that 100 people would listen to it. Yeah. And I was like, you fool, you ignorant, <laughs> beautiful bastard. <laughs> listen, I like to set my expectations low so that like then when I exceed them, I feel really good about it. My dating strategy is the exact same <laughs> right, thing. <absolutely. laughs> I just am like, wow, you're not a plastic bag. Great. Let's get married. Um but uh, so we had a really low goal and we've exceeded that goal so much. And um, people's so much. response to our podcast just um, brings us so much joy and gratitude because we love doing this. This is 100 percent a passion project. Mm-hmm. We make zero money doing this <laughs> um, and we spend a lot of time doing it. Yep. Um, I, like I want to ask you, Sam, can you tell the listeners like what your experience is making this podcast versus kind of like what you expected or like yeah. what type of effort we put in. Yeah, here's the thing. It sounds like we don't do any prep, but we actually <laughs> do. <laughs> uh, first of all, like we we have gotten so many submissions, which is just like fantastic yeah. and wonderful, but it is it takes time to read through all of them and yeah. we are committed to reading through all of them. Right. It's important to us to read because we're never going to get to everybody's letter, yep. but we want you to know, we want you to have solace in the fact that like Sometimes just like putting your feelings out there and sending them to someone is really cathartic. And yep. so we do read all of your letters. Yep. And then we read through and we pick the ones uh, for every week, which takes a while because there are so many good letters out there for right. us to read through. And then we have to talk about like, how do we feel about this? We we don't come into these just like blind. blind. Yeah. Um, and we have to figure out like, what are some of the things that we want to make sure we bring up? And so... How do we tackle the difficult topics? Yes. Et cetera. Oh my God, the you most, should do the intro. Yeah, tackle topics, tackle <laughs> topics, tackle topics. This is one thing I can say correctly. Um, but it that that prep takes a lot of time. Um, and then uh, we drive across town yeah. and come to Big Cat's amazing studio. Absolutely. And guess what Big Cat's gets paid? For not just recording an episode that's anywhere between an hour and, I don't know, an hour of 15 minutes. Yep. Um, of our time. So we spend like at least an hour and a half in his studio and then he edits the whole thing uh-huh. for zero dollars. <laughs> zero dollars, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> we this have is... not paid him. That's not true. We did, but we paid him out of our own pockets. Yeah, we paid him out of our own <laughs> pockets and we averaged it out. He's making basically seven dollars <laughs> for every episode he's edited for us, like hours of editing time, hours of recording time. And because he's a dear friend of ours, he's doing this because he's an amazing person who's really um, so well connected in this music community and the podcast community. Like he just does such amazing work, but he's doing this because he's our friend and he likes the podcast, but he's making absolutely nominal money on this, like $7 an episode, even though hours of of time go into it. Um, And we're making Zero dollars. <laughs> negative, negative dollars at this negative point. Negative <laughs> dollars because um, we have to pay to host this on a hosting platform. Um, we're going to pay to promote it. So hopefully it gets featured on some blogs, yep. et cetera, um, podcast uh, you know, sites. Um, we want to pay uh, big cats. And um, we have put out some merchandise. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But every dollar of that merchandise has actually gone back to pay big cats. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is all to say um, that we are finally, because we really love doing this and because mm-hmm. this podcast is a passion project for us and, and because... Yeah, no, and because we want to keep it free for you too, right? right like exactly. That's, we want to be able to have it be accessible to everyone so that you don't have to pay to be able to listen or whatever it is. So right. we want to, like, it's free for you all to listen, which is fantastic, but, but it's, it's not, not free, free for, for us, us to, make. to make. Yeah. Um, so we are going to be releasing on this Black Friday. So the Friday after Thanksgiving, um, we're going to be releasing our podcast Patreon. Yep. And for $5 a month, you get an extra episode every week. Um, and we figured if you, if you're going to spend money on Friday and support America's, um, cancerous capitalism, <laughs> Then you should put money in the pockets of independent artists and, you know, non-professional advice-giving idiots (laughs) like us. If Uh you want some more advice and you want to see more of this good head and heart work out there, um, it's $5 a month. You're going to get at least four new episodes a week. Um, And what we're going to do is we're going to offer— Four new episodes a week? I'm in a month. Okay, right. I'm in a month. (laughs) Yeah. Sam's like, I'm sorry. I was like, "Um, I have a— Real job. <laughs> I have a full-time <laughs> paying job. Um, but uh, so we're going to at least four, four extra episodes a month. And it's just going to be for $5 a month, which is basically the price of a fancy latte at Starbucks. That's right. But if you want to give more. Oh, yeah. If you want to give more, you, you absolutely can. can. Um, the one thing I want to say, you can find this all out on our Patreon page, um, which will be uh, www.patreon.com backslash just break up. Pod. I you, think. Say, you sound really confident about I that. I think I'm not confident. It'll be posted on our Just website. Like Google it. It'll be posted on our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. But um, you you can find all the details there. But I do want to add um, as a little bit of a thank you. Um, there's two reasons the episode the patreon episodes are going to be set up the way they are we're going to it'll just we'll expand upon the topics that we already talk about we'll talk about our own relationships we'll share some extra insight and funny story stories and you know a million tangents but we're also going to answer um letters specifically from our patreon um subscribers um so if you don't have the financial means to support us that's okay we love Mm -hmm. that it's free we love doing this we'll never stop doing this in you know we'll do this as long as we can (laughs) um but we don't want anyone who wrote us a letter who is unable to um, financially support us to not hear the potential advice that we would give them yep so this is all to say well we won't answer questions from submitters who um, don't support us on Patreon on the special Patreon episodes yeah. because we want you to hear our advice. We yeah. want it to be available to everybody at all times. So, but that's kind of like an incentive to our Patreon um, supporters, our patrons, mm-hmm. that they will have a higher chance of of more likely getting their questions answered because I will be pulling from a smaller number of letters. Does sure. that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Or maybe we guarantee all the letters yep. are answered. I don't know. It just depends on how many letters we get from you awesome patrons. Yes. Okay. Yep. So that is, to summarize that last really long announcement, we are finally doing a Patreon for our podcast. It's going to be released on Black Friday um, this week. So if you're going to spend your money somewhere, please support us by subscribing just $5 a month for an extra episode every week. Yep. And PSA. Great. And also Instagram Live Hangout on the 25th of November at 4 p.m. Central Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right. Other time zones, figure it out for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into our fantastic fucking letters. Awesome. Our first letter comes from Claire Claire, and they are writing from The Void. Uh, they write, hello, beautiful things. I oh am God, a... You're so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. You too. Thank you. Sierra came over today. Oh, God. She was like, can we do like a photo shoot real quick? And I was like, Sierra, you are wearing makeup and you look really good, but I have not tried today. First of all, Sam's, when he thinks we're just gonna, we're going on a tangent about how attractive we think we, we are. I mean, not like how attractive I think I am, how right. attractive I think Sam is and oh. vice versa. Um, you look totally fine. Like, I have never seen you look under a seven. Oh, I know. Thank you. Yeah, literally. <laughs> but, I, bitch, I know what I look like when I wake up in the morning, and I know how you feel about it. And you saw me a couple weeks ago when I had that flu. It was awful. Yeah, you are beautiful all the time. When you had that flu, though, I was like, oh, shoot. Also, I just look really <laughs> different without my makeup on. Like, I don't think I'm less attractive. No. I just, like... Don't have eyebrows anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Claire, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, so she writes, hello, beautiful things. I'm a 22-year-old girl. She, her, writing in at one and a half years post-breakup of a 16-month relationship. Mm. Here is my predicament. I am still in love with my ex. He is not in my life currently. I only look at his social media once in a blue moon, and we only talk about every six months just to catch up. We live in different cities now. I've gone on over 10 dates, matched with so, so many people, and I genuinely start these new meetups with an open mind and heart, only to be left with disappointment after disappointment. I go in circles not really wanting to meet someone new, just because, or just wanting to be with him, and being so ready to move the fuck on. I love that my heart beams out so much love for my ex, mm. but I am struggling with finding the line between letting my heart love and coming ter to terms with reality without forcing my feelings away. We broke up because he was dealing with some darker issues like substance abuse only at the end, and I was becoming codependent, trying to help him. Besides a stressful ending, our love was really well-intentioned, and we only have respect for each other now. I think because the ending felt more circumstantial than a lack of love, I have never really let go of the fact that I never wanted to be with anyone but him. He shows up in my dreams and my sexual fantasies. Hmm. As I mentioned, I'll sometimes get really, I'll get really ready to fall in love with someone new, but it seems like I'll never, it'll never come because I'm so picky and I don't want to settle. How do I let go of my stubborn desires for my ex? Is it possible? Oh, Claire, what a wonderful letter. I mean, not a wonderful situation, but no. I think a super universal one. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Sam and I are here to tell you, number one, all of your feelings are okay. Yep. Right. All of your feelings right now, it doesn't matter how many months out of your relationship you are. It's OK that you're still feeling, you know, affection to this person. Mm -hmm. um, it's I also think I want to say that it's OK that you haven't met somebody else that like yep. supersedes that love. Yep. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with that and i think that it is really hard for us to um get over people when when the breakup feels like it was a a cause of circumstance and not mm. because of um a lack of love or a lack of commitment um and the fact that you know you sort of had a rough go of it even right. though you wanted to be together um i think can make that, it really hard to like move on totally i think that some of the hardest breakups to get over are the ones in which the love 
felt like it was poisoned, you know, because you're like, mm-hmm. it wasn't us. Something came in and poisoned us. Right. Or whatever. Yep. Um, whether that be jealousy or substance abuse or depression or or whatever. Um, I think that heartbreak is particularly hard to put to bed because you're like, oh, well, this thing came in. And so you 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 play back all of the scenarios of the ways it yep. could have gone differently. Yep. And I think that where we get into trouble there, though, is that like then we view um, like if that poison hadn't happened, like things would be fine. But mm-hmm. that doesn't. The issue is, is that like the poison did happen, like the, the jealousy or the substance abuse or the depression like did happen and it did cause the relationship to to end. Like there's no ideal world in which you can get that back right where you can say the poison is no longer here Mm -hmm. um and so trying to reframe that in your head can be really hard but like it's not that um the relationship was perfect right it wasn't perfect because it was it fell apart in this way right how long do you think you what's like the longest length you've held on to somebody emotionally post breakup uh you're pretty pragmatic, though. I am. But, like, there have been people that I've felt things for for, like, a very long period of time. Like, 18 months, two yeah. years. Yeah. I think I would say the same number, really. Yeah. Um, And I think I wanted to ask you that so that maybe, Claire, you could get a context of, like, mm-hmm. the normalcy of this. That, yep. like, it sounds like this was a good, true love at some point. Yep. That, again, got poisoned. And... It's okay that you haven't found somebody else to replace that romantic um, uh, trigger or that sexual fantasy. I Mm -hmm. actually kind of love that you share that. Um, Like, I'm really grateful for that because I think a lot of people relate to it. I super relate to it. Mm -hmm. For so long, um, I would feel used by people (laughs) that I would, like, fantasize about. You know, Mm. people that had hurt me. Yep. Um, And But that they were the ones that turned me on, so I would, like, think about them, um, you know, when I was doing my business by myself. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we've talked about masturbation yet on the show. I don't think we have, no. Let's save it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, Claire, it's okay. One more masturbation comment. (laughs) It's okay to think about somebody who hurt you. It is. Yep. It is okay. You're not doing anything wrong. Nope. Um, you are not intentionally hurting yourself. It might feel painful, like nostalgic. You know, mm-hmm. you might feel, yeah, I mean, it's 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 heartbreak. It's, it's thinking about that person. But our sexual desires often get convoluted, yep. you know, and we want what we want. Our body is attracted to what our bodies are attracted to. And if you had, like, a good sex life with this person— your your body, your fantasies will return to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can kind of put some effort into replacing that. Like, I think Sam and I wanted to affirm the breakup and the and the heart's longing first. Yep. But now we want to talk about ways in which you can kind of, like, strengthen yourself or embolden, your, embolden yourself to move on. Yep. And so I'll finish this little masturbation <laughs> tangent <laughs> by saying um, there are ways to sort of— um, Take that person off your sexual pedestal, right? Like, like if you're fantasizing about them, um, there are ways to dethrone them, mm-hmm. um, whether that be like sexual exploration or looking into porn or trying a toy or really sitting down and intentionally thinking about yourself and that present moment and what, what you're doing to make yourself feel good. Mm-hmm. Okay, end masturbation rant. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, and I think that that is great. And I also think, um, you know, we talk about this also, is like when people are apart from us, it's easy to idealize them. Mm. Um, And the fact that you and your ex um, sort of broke up and now you you don't spend much time with each other. You see, you chat every six months, you live in different cities. Like it's so much easier to make someone perfect in your head Mm. than it is to, um, to like sit with them and, and, and be with them all the time. So like you, um, my guess is that you're probably idealizing your ex more than you think that you are. Right. And that if he were around and you could see the ways in which he is imperfect, not in like a cute endearing way, but like in a way that is like, you left that relationship for a reason. Exactly. Um, I think that that would make it easier. So maybe thinking about that, you know, reminding yourselves of the reasons why you broke up and why there were good reasons to break up and thinking about that might also help you sort of distance yourself from this idealized person who was perfect and and uh, could do no wrong until this bad, bad thing came in and broke the relationship right, up. Right. And I will also say, um, and I don't want this to sound harsh, but I just want to say it is that I think being picky about people or having sort of impossible standards or pining over someone who is far away um, and that we idealize, I think is a way to avoid being emotionally vulnerable with Mm. the people who are here Mm. and with us. Um, Because if you can say, well, I went on a date with this person, opened mine, which I believe you when you say that, um, but he just doesn't, he just doesn't measure up to this ex, this person that I've placed on this pedestal. That's a way that you don't have to deal with the nitty gritty of imperfections in people or share your emotional vulnerability. Um, And instead, just focus on the thing that you can't have, because in many ways, it's easier to do that. Yeah, than opening yourself to other people. And Sam and I don't think you're not trying. It's just that sometimes the heart wants what it wants, but sometimes the heart wants what we let it have, Mm -hmm. you know? And I know what, like, the dating field looks like and it's a (laughs) hellhole right the truth is and this goes for everyone out there listening you will go on more bad dates than good Mm -hmm. like you're not gonna find somebody you instantly link up link up with or like uh feel connected with easily it's just not that easy um so the if you go on 10 dates nine of them will be bad (laughs) and that and that's okay we don't think you're being too picky in that way but just remember to um let the past be in the past mm-hmm. and make sure you're being a, as present as possible. You say that your heart is open and I and I believe you and I love that. So I think we just want to bolster that type of yep. openness, right? Yep. And I think it's just a challenge to yourself to re- to remember that because your ex isn't here, because he's far away, um because you can't have him, like you are you are holding him to a different standard than you are holding the men who are coming into your life uh through dating apps or whatever it is. And that's um, those standards are are just different for them. Yeah. And so just reminding yourself of that and um, thinking about ways where you can humanize and de-idolize your ex, I think will be helpful in you seeing the potential in other yeah. people. And it's OK to have standards like it's it's OK to have standards, not standards, but like expectations or aspirations for your love mm-hmm. that might look like your ex. But nobody is perfect. No, we're not. And I think. You know, being in a relationship, like, it, 
Peter didn't meet all of the like crazy standards that I had for for people that I yeah. was dating, right? Like if I had dismissed him out of hand because of the the list of deal breakers that I had in yeah, my head. Yeah, you were just complaining to me about how you <laughs> used to cut his toenails with scissors. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fine. I think we're on the different... I mean, you just use what you got. <laughs> it's fine, y'all. Sorry, Peter. Love you. I got him some toenail clippers. <laughs> it's like one of the first things that I did. Um, and so like, so just keep that in mind is that like people come into your life that are wonderful and amazing and imperfect and will not meet the the ridiculous standards that you have in your head about like who your ideal person should be. Right. And like... I love Peter, and I'm so happy to be with him. Yeah, sorry, Peter, again. <laughs> yeah, right? And what would I have missed out on if I had been like, well, he's taller than me, and that's not. Right. I'm not dating anyone oh taller God, than me. He's such a babe, though. <laughs> he's like such a big babe beast of a man. Right? Um, But Claire, I think maybe the last piece of it, like actual advice instead of me just like talking about ideas, <laughs> the big piece of advice that I want to tell you that like Sam might side eye me for um, because we didn't rehearse this Oh God! <laughs> is I think you should get into a shitty relationship. <laughs> I think you should like, so what we're asking her to do, I know you're looking at me like I'm a loose cannon. What we're asking her to do is like open her, not just open her heart because she's already opened her heart. We're asking her to take a chance on someone who doesn't seem perfect. Okay. Yes. Right. I'm on board. So, Claire, I want you to take that chance, and I want you to take it on, like, several dates. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I want you to maybe take them home. Yep. And I want you to maybe take this imperfect person to, uh, like, a party with your friends. Mm-hmm. Right? And maybe it just gets more and more imperfect. Great. Move on to the next imperfect person. Yep. Because not just will not only will this, like, put you out more, put you out there in the world more, it's going to distract you. It's going to entertain you. It's going to help you move true. on from that ex that you're hang- that you're caught up on. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a good point because like... My- <laughs> There's somebody out there that's like, don't use people, you know, and I'm like, absolutely use them. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's the thing is that like adults try other people on for right. size. And like if... We learn they- how to love people by loving people. Exactly. And we move on with other people and then yep. we land on the right one, hopefully. Yes. And I... My dating advice always is, unless the first date is, like, offensively horrible, always go on the second one. Because the second one is the point at which people are less nervous and they are less, like, putting up the front of, like, hello, first impression. It's so great to meet you. Here are all of the things about me. I agree with you. (laughs) But I made that creaking, like, corpse noise (laughs) because... I think from my personality, I could have, looking back on some of my relationships in which I'm like, how the fuck did we even get to hang out past the first date? Like, why didn't I draw the line then? Yeah. So for my personality, I think I need to strengthen my ability to draw the line, to be like, nope, I'm not going to go out with you another time because I don't need to pity you. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't need to change my um expectations or standards to meet you like I I think I was going I I would get into relationships with people because I was giving them the benefit of the doubt too much instead of trusting my instincts sure yeah but you're right But like second date draw the line after that I know you're right you're right I just needed to say that (laughs) like I'm not saying like get into a bunch of shitty relationships I'm saying literally just told her to do that (laughs) give people people a second chance (laughs) I literally was like just date an asshole (laughs) like not somebody who's mean to you but just like a nobody (laughs) I don't know what I mean by that I know Let's trail off and finish this. Claire, we love you. Um, 
I love your love too. I respect the way you love your ex. I just know you have a future with somebody out there. Yes, absolutely. We love you. Thanks for writing, Claire. Thank you. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which... (laughs) Um, I am never not in slippers, and these are 100% Australian shearling-lined clog slippers, and I love that they're slip-on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to, like, take the trash out in them while also, like, staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. Up next is a letter from Ellie Kay, who is writing to us from New York City. 
Hi, all. I'm writing to get some support and advice regarding my serious and secret relationship. Hmm. I'm a 23-year-old woman, and I've been dating a wonderful guy, also 23, for almost two years now. And we are as serious as I've ever been with anyone. We talk about marriage, kids, where we want to live after grad school, and how many cats we will have together. I love him and trust him very much. Before I get into the issue of secrecy, a little background is necessary on why I'm hidden. We were long distance for a year while we were an undergrad, and we flew back and forth to see each other during that time. I now live in the same area as him due to graduate school and landing a job in the area. I only applied there because he was living there as well. His parents are South Asian Muslim immigrants who plan on him becoming a high earner and finding a wife through an arranged marriage. They've never been okay with him dating anyone, let alone a white woman who is not a doctor, lawyer, or even slightly Muslim. Essentially, they would not approve of me and never, maybe never will. He is hesitant about telling them about our relationship, even though he is positive he wants to marry me. He has said he is going to tell them and then backed out many times. At the beginning, this didn't bother me because we were new, his parents were a far-off affair, and I was in that wonderful honeymoon phase of the relationship. Now I'm feeling incredibly frustrated and alone. I want to know his family, but I feel like I will never be enough for them and that this would be so much easier for him if he just married a South Asian Muslim woman. I don't want to give him a deadline or an ultimatum because I understand he is trying to be respectful of his parents' cultural differences, but I'm seriously beginning to feel hopeless. Our mutual friends are constantly shocked to know I don't press him to reveal our relationship. He has canceled important plans with me because he couldn't come up with a reasonable lie to tell his parents about what he was up to. Every time I tell him I need him to tell them soon, he gets anxious and withdraws from me. I'm feeling so upset about the whole situation because I am committed to him and I want this to work. But I also know that being this secretive is making me feel really weird, especially since I haven't felt this way since I came out as bisexual to my friends and family. I feel like I'm in the closet all over again. What do I do? Do I give him a firm deadline and leave if he doesn't want to do it? Or am I just being incredibly selfish to ask him to essentially blow up his relationship with his parents before he's ready? Is it fair to me to want him to just get over it? Get it, excuse me, get over with, excuse me, get it over with? (laughs) Or is that just ridiculous? Thank you for listening. Best, Ellie. Ellie, this is a super powerful letter. It is. I'm really glad you wrote in. Um, I think the first thing I want to say is one, um, I have never been in this situation. This Mm -hmm. is not part of my lived experience. Um, I can equate it to kind of experiences that I have been a part or been near in terms of coming out of the closet, like you talked about, Ellie. Um, But this is one of those things that I want to stress that Sam and I are not experts. Mm -hmm. Um, We have never lived in an experience like this, but we're going to give you our um, best advice as we see fit uh, yeah. or a, a, as we can imagine um, with uh, respect to the differences between our experiences. I also want to say that like the this situation is often portrayed in like romantic comedies. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I want to just remind everyone out there, including myself, <laughs> that like Rom-coms are not real. They're not. They don't exist. And this is a huge, incredibly stressful situation that won't be resolved with just like like a happy happenstance in which like everybody decides to change their 
um, cultural beliefs that have been within their family or, you know, like it's just this is a fucking hard situation to be in. And and it's not going to be resolved in a 50 minute film, you know? (laughs) No, it's not. Yeah. But Sam and I also want to say, Ellie, like, you can't live like this. Your relationship can't sustain this way. And we recognize it. So I think we want to first, we want to approach this in two ways. First, we want to talk about ways that you can maybe support him in going through this process. Mm -hmm. Because it is terrifying. Yep. It's terrifying. Um, And then we also just want to maybe affirm where and how you can draw a line because we know even though this is a really complicated hurtful situation you can't your relationship won't sustain this way and Mm -hmm. and something's got to give yeah and i will say that i don't think that the relationship can sustain in the way that it is now um with you wanting to be part of his, to like know his parents and be part of his life. Right. Like you could sustain like this forever if yep. you want, if he wants to pretend he's single for the rest of his life. Right. Exactly. But I like that you want to be a part of his family. Yep. I like that you guys are talking about marriage. You've been together almost two years. I feel like that's an okay timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're thinking about the future and you're trying to provide, you're trying to lay the foundation of the future that you know you two want. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I will just say that I have, uh, I've dated people who have been closeted to their parents mm-hmm. and have um, sort of been in a similar situation in which it was like the parents couldn't know about me. If they did, I was just the friends. And like we, you know, we didn't go to dinner with his parents ever. Right. Um, I never got to like go to his house for holidays. Um, and like I just had to sort of accept the fact that that was the way that it was because I couldn't, I had no control over the situation, right? right? Like I couldn't go to his parents and tell them that he was gay and that he was dating me. Yeah. Um, And I would never want to do that. Like I would never want to out someone like that or like cause the rift between him and his parents. Right. Um, And so one of the things that I had to do is figure out how, how I could accept the things that I could change and, um, or accept the things that I could not change. Right. Um, and so, I mean, that relationship ended, but not for that reason. Right. Um, but it was like, I just have to deal with the reality of this fact. And he is going to have to come out to his parents in so his I, own way. Yeah. Because I, like that, I want to take that experience away from him. Totally. I want to come back to that. I want to talk about just what you said, like accepting the things you can't change. I mm-hmm. want to like literally outline the things we can't change in this situation. Yep. But first, I think I want to acknowledge that like. Or maybe ask you, mm-hmm. in that situation, like, were your feelings hurt? Yeah, I mean, I think I was, um, I Not, think I, I was disappointed. feelings hurt is, a, is the wrong, you know what I mean? But, like, I think what I'm trying to get at, and you can maybe respond to this, is, yep. like, you can be as, like, culturally sensitive and open and loving and understanding and empathetic to every different um, person and their background and their family. Yep. And you can still feel like hurt by this, like that you want to be a part of this family, that you want to have this love be a love that you can show off and grow and mature with his family. And so I guess I just want to acknowledge that, like it is possible to be both things at the same time, like super culturally sensitive. And also like, this isn't what you thought your love would have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think um, that it is, it is disappointment in, um, Especially because it seems like your boyfriend's 
is so close to his parents, right? To have that part of his life that you can't be part of and that like he is keeping you a secret from them. Like I could, I definitely feel how um, disappointing that would, that would be like yeah. to be like, oh, I have to be a secret. Right. Yeah. It grinds on you. It, 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 it wears you out, you yep. know? Um, so the things we can't change one, we have no control over his parents' response. Nope. We have no control over his relationship with his parents. Mm-hmm. And we have no control over how he feels about this. Yep. Like that is his own autonomous decision. And he has every right in the world. And I know you know this, Ellie, but he has every right in the world to feel anxious and scared because this is a huge deal. This is a huge change for his family. This could be a make or break thing. This could tear a family apart. Right. And so obviously we want to work towards a world in which that doesn't happen, but Mm -hmm. just recognizing that this is a huge thing. Um, and that, you know, just like people stay closeted for years and years and years, he, a lot is on the table right now, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of why he's maintaining the secrecy. So how are, what is some way, what are some ways that we think that she can support him in moving forward with this? Um, I mean, I think helping to tell, helping him figure out how he could do it, I think would right. be really helpful. So like, what is it going to look like? And also knowing like, when we do this, like, I will be here with you to the extent that you, that you want me and need me to be right. right? Like he's, this doesn't have to be a thing that he does on his own. Yeah. It can be something that he does with you and your support and your love and that you will be there to sort of pick him up after this falls apart. I mean, like, cause that's probably what's going to happen. I don't think his parents are going to be super thrilled about this. Right. And so, but you will be there to help support him and work through that. Right. You can also think about like actual, like pragmatic ways that he can stay committed to the decision to tell him. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, you say that he kind of gets anxious and back down, but like, um, anxiety comes up when we're feeling fear and anxiety is the body's form of protecting itself, even yep. though it's, it's totally self-sabotaging and wildly <laughs> irrational, you know, but it, right. our body's like, oh my God, panic, danger, danger. Yep. No good is in the future. Sure. <laughs> um, but so how, <laughs> when he's in that state of withdrawal and panic, what is a way that you can build a comforting action plan to how can I commit to this decision? Mm. You know, how yep. can I sometimes, honestly, y'all, sometimes when I've had to have really hard conversations or do something really challenging, I've had to trick myself into it, <laughs> you know, get myself into a situation where, like, I can't back out, yep. meaning maybe he texts his parents and say, I have something to talk to you about tonight. Yep. Right. And yep. sending that text message means that they're going to be anticipating it. He's set up half God, of a bargain. This is, like, this is just like a coming out story. Oh my like, God, right? totally. Like the it, thing where it, you're it, like, mom, dad, I have something to tell you. Absolutely. And then you like can't not tell yeah, them. Yeah, and, and well, well, I think that this, I think the idea of coming out is much more universal outside of the realm of the LGBTQ community because yeah. a lot of people have to come out from something that they're withholding from people they love. Mm-hmm. And I feel really important about answering this letter because of that, because yep. of how often we choose to present one side of ourselves or one side of our lo- our, our lives to people we love yep. to, A, not hurt them, but B, more importantly, maintain status quo. Like, mm-hmm. of course, he wants his family relationship to stay as is. Of course, he does. Yep. Right. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of empathy for both of you in this situation. It just must be so difficult. Also, oh my God, we should just affirm her love too. Like (laughs) way to have this great relationship. Yeah. This doesn't have to poison that good, true love. No, it doesn't. And it sounds like you two, um, I mean, you've been together for a while and it it sounds like you really are committed to each other and love each other. Um, And are building that future one step at a time. Absolutely. And I don't want you to think about how it could be easier if you weren't in his life because he is clearly making the decision to be with you, right? Right. He might not be choosing to tell his parents, but that's because he's trying to maintain all the harmony right now. Right. And that's so reasonable. Like, I I can't blame him for that. I don't, you know, I don't, we don't blame people who don't want to come out from the closet because they're trying to maintain their like safety and wellness, you know? Yeah. And there might be things that we aren't, we don't know about like he could be still financially dependent on his parents and right. like having that is also a very big and scary issue. Right. Um, and so, yeah, just want to affirm that I think that the anxiety that he's feeling is really real and has uh, real like it has a connection to reality and right. how things could totally. change very drastically. One more thing I want to voice, which I know, you know, but um, you said that his parents um are not only Muslim, but they're immigrants. And this is, again, not my lived experience, but so many friends of mine who are the children of immigrants have spoken about the almost universal experience that is their parents have really big, high expectations of them Mm -hmm. um, because of what they had to do to get to our country, to provide this opportunity of life for them. And and that's fucking hard, (laughs) you know? That is not my lived experience, but it— is definitely something that I've heard spoken on by many people. Absolutely. So I guess we do want to bring it back to you, though. Right. And sort of what do you do in this situation besides helping to support him in doing this? Because I think that your support might help move him in the way that you want him right. to. But we do want to think about sort of what if this doesn't change um, and he doesn't tell them? Like to what you need to be asking yourself, like, to what level am I able to deal with the hurt and pain of this in a way that's sustainable? Right. So, like, at what point does it break and you can't you can't not be part of his full life anymore? Right. And that's hard. And I, I don't think either of us can even begin to answer that for you, to be mm-hmm. honest. Because I think about if I was with a woman and she wasn't out, like, I, family is important to me. Yep. If we work to get married and have children like you're planning on doing, I would want them to be a part of our of that process, yep. like our wedding and our our babies. And so I would have to just like Sam said, in terms of his experience with his ex, like I would have to I would have to do some serious like sit down in a quiet place, settle my heart, write out all my thoughts and really think, well, what is my tipping point? Yep. Um, And maybe that's something you have to do. Originally, when we first started brainstorming a response to this letter, um, I said, no ultimatum, no way. And Sam's (laughs) like, what? (laughs) You know, basically, you said she has a a right to a happy whole relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think that that is what we don't want you to say, like, give him ultimatum, like three weeks he has to tell them or you're dumping him. Right. Right. Like, not that kind of ultimatum. But you need to understand in yourself, like, how much can you take in this because at what point does the pain that you're feeling about this outweigh the benefits of your love and the awesome Mm. relationship that he provides you and if if it's if that's never going to happen then maybe this is something that you don't need to continue to push on but if it's if it's really eating at you then like 
you deserve to be happy. You deserve to be in a relationship totally. with someone right. who will bring them into bring you into their family, who won't treat you like a secret. Um, and so you need to look into yourself and decide, like, is this something that I can sustain in a way that is healthy for me? Because the kicker is, too, like your understanding of this situation is not does not equate um, your um, putting up with it. I can't think of the right word, but mm-hmm. like you can understand it all you want. Like you obviously have an empathetic heart yep. because you've been patient with them this whole time. Yep. But don't confuse like your empathy and your understanding with your limits. Right. Yep. Because you you have a bound you you are you are boundlessly empathetic and understanding. Yep. You don't have to be that way when it comes to your relationship. For sure. But I do think that the the biggest takeaway for me or the thing that I I'm hoping that you'll bring to him is that it's already been two years and nothing will change if nothing changes. Yep. Absolutely. Period. Yep. If if you any tiny step, this might be a hard part of your relationship. These might be tiny, steep steps in this arc of your relationship. This might be a hard time for you, yep. but nothing's going to give if you don't make any step towards a different reality. Yep. And he, and you, he just has to understand that, that like it's one tiny step at a time. Yep. It's nothing is going to change if nothing changes. Absolutely. And I think continuing to have these conversations with him where you affirm how he's feeling and work with him to figure out like, okay, so how can we move towards this goal of us telling your parents about this Um, and breaking it into those incremental steps, right? Like instead of saying ultimatum, tell them by the end of the month that we're done, instead say, so I think that we both agree that this is a goal for us is that like we want to be able to tell your parents how can we work together totally. to get to that? Understanding the way that you are feeling and like understanding that that's, those feelings are super real and my feelings are also super real. Totally. Like how can we come together and like figure out a way to make this happen? And the language that you just used, I want to like pull out of this letter for one moment and say the language you just used about approaching a conflict as a partnership mm-hmm. of saying like this is a shared goal. What are our shared steps or expectations or whatever? is what you listeners can use for any type of conflict. You want Mm -hmm. your partner to, you know, your partner wants to quit smoking. Mm -hmm. Uh, You want a different job to help support your partner in a different way, or you guys want to buy a house, or you want to forgive them for cheating on you, right? Like you can approach any of these conflicts or life changes, transitions with the idea of this is our shared goal. How can we, in a supportive, like loving way, but accountable way, move towards this goal? Right. Absolutely. Well, we love you. We think that this is a very difficult situation, but we believe in a future that looks different than this one. Absolutely. And Um, we think that you will be able to get there. Yeah. One step at a time. We love you. Thanks for writing in. Thank you. All right. Our next letter comes from Chloe S., who is writing from Texas. Chloe writes, my husband and I are in our 30s, married two years, together a total of seven years. He wants children and I don't. I've been very upfront about not wanting children throughout our relationship, but he just assumed I would eventually come around to it. He says he thinks he could come to terms with not having kids, but every time he has a friend or coworker get pregnant, he gets emotional about the idea of not having children and not leaving a legacy behind. I love him, but I don't want to be the reason he's unhappy later in life. I also don't want to be pressured into such a life-changing event. I suffer from major major depression and have really struggled the past five years, including multiple hospitalizations. Mm. 
I really don't think I can give a child what they need, and just carrying a child with a high likelihood of postpartum depression is dangerous to my mental health. Mm. He also doesn't want to adopt. Not to mention, I would have to get off of most of my meds. I also just feel everything inside of me saying kids just aren't for me. The rational side of my brain is saying that this is never going to work, and if I really love him, I should let him go. The emotional side is saying I've never known a love like this before, and I don't want to lose him. Mm. Please help. Okay. This is a really powerful letter. It is. Um, This is a situation that I'm sure is really common and also one that I, too, have feared. Like one of those major, you know, not deal breakers, but, but, you know, there's a list of things that they say, like, check in with before you get married or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think that and I think that list is important. But it's not going to stop people from loving each other. <laughs> like, different <laughs> life goals is not enough to stop a love. And honestly, sure. Chloe, I'm glad you're married. I'm happy for your seven-year love. Like, I think that's beautiful. Absolutely. Um, but this is really a, really a hard situation. I feel like I'm the one that always goes on random, like, slightly political rants. <laughs> like, would you like to take it away this time, boss? <laughs> um. Am I talking about toxic masculinity? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, okay. always. In some form or another, at least a little. <laughs> um, I just want to to push back on this idea around um, him having a legacy uh, and the fact that he only wants biological children, right. which is something that we have talked about before on the podcast. But um, I just think that that is, that is something that is ingrained in boys and men that we are expected to procreate and that that procreation is like our legacy mm. like ours right not anyone else's right <laughs> um and it is just a um you know i think that is just a really problematic and harmful and, and way to view so, particularly children yeah and because <laughs> particularly the idea of like and this is not this is not like the um surface level emotion but i have i feel like it's oftentimes the idea of raising another man's children Mm -hmm. is like an affront to masculinity the idea that like you're somehow letting a you're letting your woman run around (laughs) not real adoption's a thing (laughs) um and b like you aren't strong enough or man enough or you know like that you couldn't provide your own i think is like a really um infiltrated unfortunate um, dynamic in masculinity, one that's, you know, been long rooted in masculinity and gender um, because of the way procreation used to work in society, particularly about like land and um, uh, what am I thinking of? Like dowry and, and, and things like that. Yep. And I, I want to affirm his desire that he wants to, like, leave something in the world. Like, he mm-hmm. wants to Yeah, have we're not children. shitting on your husband. Like, no. We're more just, like, talking about, I think, what draws this from a lot of men. Mm-hmm. But I do want—I want to affirm that that's—that, like, wanting to leave something behind is a great goal to have, and he's entitled to feel that way. But I do want to push back against the idea of his unwillingness to see— a different way of doing that right. than by just by you getting pregnant from him. <laughs> right, right. There are so many different ways to have a legacy. Right. I think about like um 
you know, the way that we give back to our community, Mm -hmm. the way that we treat our friends, like the things that we donate to, how we share our resources, our time, um, how we speak up for others. And again, this might not feel like a legacy, but those things add up and change comes from one tiny step um, and turns into a big wave, hopefully. I also want to say, well, we could talk about other ways to leave a legacy, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But I... I also want to say that you're not a bad person or a broken woman because you don't want to have children. Right. I want to affirm and acknowledge all of the things that you so bravely shared about your mental health and your struggles with depression and your choice to use medication, which I think is so great. Mm -hmm. But even if none of those things were true and you just didn't want to be a mother, that doesn't make you any less of a woman. Yeah. I think that that our country kind of shits on childless women um, and they're often seen as lesser than or incomplete. Yep. But just because you don't want to be a mother because you feel like that's not for you and because you're you're saying I don't want to risk postpartum depression, which is, by the way, a huge fear of mine. Yeah. Um, I do want to have children. I I am paralyzed at the thought of that. Um, But just because you don't want to have children doesn't mean you're you're. Um, in any way, an incomplete woman or an insufficient wife. You are whole and valid just as you are, whether you um, have a baby one day, never have children, adopt or foster, or instead, you know, have a bunch of fur babies, you know, (laughs) and have a million dogs um, and a chicken. Like how you are right now is whole and valid, whether or not you and your husband have children. Absolutely. Yeah. And I... I think that just from reading your letter, I think that you have a lot of sort of blame or self-doubt about not wanting to have kids in this. Right. And so I want to just just affirm that, um, you know, you and your your husband have opposite ideas of what you want at this point, but both of them is equally valid. Right. So you don't have to be the one that compromises. Right. I mean, you both have to compromise to figure out how you can both get what you want out of the rest of your life in the parameters of a relationship with a person who is different than yeah. you. <laughs> and I want to expand on that because I think the the root of the solution is hidden somewhere in this idea of depolarizing it, yeah. right? Because I feel like the issue of babies is really polarized. It's yep. have kids or don't have kids, right? right? It's, it's black <laughs> or white, one or the other. Yes. When in reality, what I think would be holistic and therapeutic for you and your husband is to... You know, like draw, like take a piece of paper and write babies on one side and no children on the other. And instead of seeing it as a line, Mm -hmm. a binary, fill in all of the different ways that you could leave a legacy, Mm -hmm. whether that's with children or not. You know, it could be volunteering. It could be fostering where you get to you you provide a home and resources to people who need it the most, Mm -hmm. literally. Yep. You could adopt. You could change your mind in five years and decide, yes, I do think I want to have my own children. But Absolutely. right now, in the meantime, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Yep. We are going to um, provide um, college tuition to um, students who need it at low-income schools, right? Like, there are so many different ways that you can give back and have the universe reward you for that giving back, right? Yep. yep. And I think if you, like Sam was saying, if you take some of the blame and accept that, This is not a choice A or choice B sort of situation. Instead, you're going to build a solution together. Yep. Right? Right. Yep. 
um, that will be um, the most healthy and holistic approach to this. Yep. Absolutely. You are not denying him anything he's entitled to. Right. Which I think is what is coming out of the letter that I think that that Sierra and I are pushing up against is that like he has no he doesn't have a right to make you have children. Right. And you are not denying him that right by saying you don't want them. Right. right. There is a multitude of different options that you both can explore um, within the realm of building that family, creating that legacy. Um, and I think, you know, there's there's so much more possibility here um, than either of you is seeing right now. Right. And and we tend to do that. We polarize things. Oh, absolutely. We say like, okay, you know, we we create ultimatums in our head all the time because we want things to be simple. Yep. We want them to make sense immediately. And so so the solution to this problem, I guess all we want to say, Chloe, my darling, is that the solution to this problem is not babies or no babies. Yep. It is a multitude of conversations and mediations that you and your husband are going to build together. Yep. And it's going to be painful Mm -hmm. and difficult, and it's going to require a lot of patience from both parties. Yep. But it's going to be beautiful. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing in, Chloe. We love you, and we believe in your marriage. We do. And we believe in your autonomous desire to make choices over your life. Absolutely. We have faith that you will be able to get through this. Thanks, Chloe. All right. Our last letter is from Ellie Anonymous, who is writing to us from England. Um, Ellie's letter is a little bit long, so Ellie, forgive forgive us. I'm going to paraphrase it um, for Sam and for our listeners. uh, And then we're going to read the second half of it because it's really powerful. So Ellie is a uh, fantastic 21-year-old student and Sagittarius from England. Um, And Ellie spent three years single before she met um, this boy, Let's call him Ben. Um, And Ben and her were dating and it was going so well. And she was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. And he's like, oh, my God, this is awesome, too. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, it was growing. There was like no tension or discomfort, just like understanding. And and it was just safe and awesome. And Ellie was like, fuck, yeah, this is awesome. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, that's great with me so far. Yeah, love that. And then Sam. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm gossiping (laughs) with you like I do every fucking Saturday. That's right. (laughs) Um, And then out of the blue, Ben was like called her up and was like, I don't think that you're the right person for me. What? I know. (laughs) Hard turn. Where was this when they were having a great time? Right. And the letter explicitly says, like, no warning. Like, a week beforehand, he was like, oh, my God, I can't stop kissing you. I love you. And so it came out of nowhere, crushed her. Yeah. Right? And so that's where she's writing to us now. Okay. And she had been in a—before she got was single, she was in, like, a not great relationship. Right. So she had a bad relationship. Yeah. And then she was single for three whole years, okay. like, doing that I'm a single, independent, awesome, <laughs> badass bitch work. Got it. Got into this relationship, was like, oh, my God, yes, I've earned this. This is a good relationship. Ended out of the blue, and she's really struggling with it. So. Yeah. Ellie writes to us, I know my ex is absolutely entitled to live his best life Mm -hmm. and to be happy to fall in love with other great humans and continue his life without me. I respect him and care about him, but I'm still so confused and shocked by the relationship ending and I'm finding it difficult to find closure. Mm -hmm. Sam, Sierra, I feel like an idiot. Although I was perfectly content being single for those three years previously, 
I stupidly believed that the longer I was single, the better and more successful my next relationship would be, like I had earned it or something like that. Hmm. I thought that I had re- had something really, truly good. I thought that I had finally earned this great experience, and it feels like I have been woken up from a dream, but my reality is a nightmare, and I just want to go back to sleep. Hmm. I cannot comprehend how a person can so quickly change the way they feel about someone with no signs or warning. I guess I'm asking for advice on ways to cope with being friends and having to socialize with someone who I still have feelings for because, side note, they go to the same school. Mm. Will I be able to move on even when Ben will remain in my life for the next two years? And do you have any advice on finding closure over this relationship ending? I know he can't provide closure for me. I need him. I need to find it within. He used to say that I would get that I would get bored of him and leave. And yet he was the one who woke up one day and stopped seeing the sky in my eyes and hearing the comfort in my words. Mm. How do I move on from this? All my love, Ellie. Oh, Ellie. I know. I'm so sorry that you got dumped. Yeah. <laughs> That's that, a it beyond, universally painful thing. <laughs> yeah, it beyond, it's beyond shitty. It just sucks. It is, yeah. And um, we can hear the pain in your letter. Um but we particularly picked this letter because of your really profound, really thoughtful um, idea about singlehood, about mm-hmm. how you felt like you had earned this. And yep. I think that's real. I think that that is. is a thought process that we all go through of like, haven't I earned this? Haven't mm-hmm. I earned better than this? Or like, you know, especially in like the self-help world, you know, at least I had like a really shitty year. <laughs> I had a really shitty year, and I remember at one point or another just thinking, like, in, like, about a really bad depression, I just remember thinking, like, damn, like, haven't I done the work to Mm -hmm. be better than this? Yep. And I just want to, like, reach out across the ocean and hold your hand and um, kind of, like, work through some of these emotions with you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Well, first, let me ask you, Sam, like, what do you think about the idea of earning a good relationship after years of being single. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sierra and I have talked about sort of being single as a time to, as a way to learn about yourself and to grow into the, into your most authentic self. Um, and that that will lead to better and healthier relationships in the future. Which is true. It is true. However. But um, the idea that you are putting this work into yourself so that you will be in a relationship is not necessarily the point. It's not what we're trying to get at, right? The The point of being single is to spend time focusing on you without the goal and reward in your head right. of someday then I will be worthy enough of a relationship with someone. Right. It's. I think about like, um, this is really common. Let me say that. Number one, oh, yeah. like this, this thought pattern I think is so universal mm-hmm. and I equate it often you know a lot of times I hear people talking about wanting to like lose weight or get fit or something because then somebody will find them attractive yep well first of all which is super fat phobic and backwards thinking in terms of health and beauty and yep. yada 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 and we can talk about that in a different episode but the idea of doing something for to better your life and to better yourself for someone else right and I think that that's that's what we want to push back on. Right. Right? But I also want to add, like, sometimes that's okay. Like, we have external motivations. Yep. I think external motivations are great. 
but the external motivation for being a better person shouldn't be so that you can you can get someone else or be right. worthy of someone else's love right. right the 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 purpose of spending time on yourself and doing the self-care and doing the head and heart work is so that you can be a whole healthy person so that when you meet that other person you can come together in a partnership that is authentic to you right and i think what ellie is saying is like Yo, I did that work and that motherfucker left. <laughs> right? That's true. And I think Sam and I just want to say, like, getting dumped sucks. It does. It just sucks. Like, there's no there's no world in which you're like, oh, that felt good. <laughs> it hurts to Some this day. Some people might be into it. We don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, you know, it hurts to this day. Yeah. Um, Any... I look back on times that I was left and I still feel that pang of yep. like embarrassment and hurt and yep. betrayal, even for, for people sure. I didn't want to be with, you yep. know? Yeah. And I think part of, again, part of the the thing about being single and being able to like develop your sense of self and your wholeness is that when you get dumped, you still know that you are a good whole person, right. that your worth didn't depend on whether or not that person loved you. Right. Um, and so I, I'm hopeful that having been through those three years of singleton or singledom, you can see that like being single isn't purgatory. Right. It's not a liminal space between the awesomeness that is relationships, right? It's a, it is a good place to be. It is a whole place to be. Right. Um, and yeah, this dude dumped you. He seems kind of like a jerk. Right. So like you get to be by yourself again. And you know that that is a place where you can succeed, where you can thrive, where you can put in the time and effort to take care of yourself, right? You have done this before and you can do it again. Right. And I want to say too that like just the way that maybe recovery or healing in mm -hmm. the mental health world is not linear, yep. right? It's not a straight line. It's yep. not like you do X, Y, and Z and all of a sudden you're healed. It's a journey. It's overwhelming. It's every day is something new and different and you... Yep. You ebb and flow and you give and take and you change and grow and relearn and relearn and relearn. The same thing is with relationships and happiness and becoming a more well-rounded person. Yep. You might feel like this is a setback, like, oh, my God, I put in those three years and all of a sudden I'm a single again. But it's not linear. It, it It's just this is the ebb and flow of learning yourself and learning yep. other people. And we have Absolutely. no control over the other people. I also want to say the idea that um, we are single and better ourselves for the chance at love inherently ranks people in romantic relationships yep. as superior as single than single people. Yep. And don't get me wrong, everything in our godforsaken culture <laughs> reinforces that fallacy that like you are not as good as people who are in relationships, yep. but that's just not true. It's yep. not true. We are all individual whole worthy people, whether we have romantic love in our life or not. Absolutely. Agreed. And Ali, I think the, one of the last things I want to say to you, sweetheart, is I'm sorry your heart was broken. Yep. I'm sorry your heart was broken, but your heart was made to be broken. Mm -hmm. Our hearts are made to be broken because our hearts want to feel everything. Yep. It's kind of hard to accept this, but maybe we can take a step back and recognize what a privilege it is to feel so much, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Because if you didn't have this type of pain, I'm not sure if you would have like the mountain and valley of how good things are too, Absolutely. right? 
at the end of the day, it's really hard to accept this betrayal that when we have an idea of something going well and it doesn't go well, but our hearts were made to be broken Mm -hmm. and to mend and to bend and to give and to take and to grow. And your heart will feel whole again soon. Absolutely. And I think um, it hurts a lot right now, but Sierra and I promise that it will hurt less as time goes on. It's not going to feel like this forever. It's not. And you are going to, it's going to hurt when you see him at school and it's going to continue to hurt every day this week and maybe every day next week. And then there will be a day where it's like, oh, this doesn't hurt as bad. Right. And then those days will become more often. And then who knows, maybe in two years when you're graduating, you two will be friends. Right. Or you won't even think about him that much. Yeah. Or maybe in two years when you graduate, you see him and you're like, oh, that dick. <laughs> you know, and maybe it hurts again a little then. Uh-huh. But that's the idea that things aren't linear. It's yep. not like not everything will make chronological sense. Absolutely. Right. Yep. And it's. I think when you're in that pain, it can feel hard to imagine a world without it. Right. Um, But Sierra and I just want you to know that that world exists and that you will get to it. Right. We love you, Ellie. Thank you for writing. So that wraps up this episode. Every episode, we shout out something that we want to send you home with. We call it our blind date. This week, we want to set you up with. Oh, my God. Gratitude. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, it is Thanksgiving, the week of Thanksgiving. Oh, good point. For folks who celebrate it. Um, but I'm not just going to send you home with gratitude. I want to actually send you home with something personal that mm. I do to um, reflect and um, carry gratitude as much as I can. Like, um, I'm not a religious person. Mm-hmm. I do believe in some sort of higher power, and that is maybe the universe. Sometimes maybe it's just like traffic, (laughs) you know, Um, but I wanted to share something that I've been doing over the past six months that helps me stay grounded and show my gratitude and feel connected to the universe or whatever higher power that is. Um, So I in my room, oh, my God, we're probably going to get a review that's like or a message that's like, please don't like leave your hippie bullshit out of your (laughs) podcast um oh, we man. got a little if you don't push- like the hippie bullshit like you yeah, came to the yeah, wrong yeah, podcast yeah. <laughs> we got a little pushback for talking about voting and I'm just, whatever anyway so in my room i have a tiny little what i would call altar but it's barely that it's like a little table with four candles on it mm-hmm. and when i um when i have time or make time um to feel connected to the world and um settle myself i light these four candles, one representing, each one representing something different. Mm-hmm. And before I light each one, um, I I speak my intentions out to whatever the thing that it represents. So the four candles are, they re- represent a higher power, mm-hmm. whatever that may be to anyone. The second one represents friends, family, loved ones. Mm-hmm. The third one represents putting intention into your work so that whether your professional work or your creative work or whatever gets you up in the morning, um, making sure that that work is connected to a bigger purpose, Mm. that you're, that you're serving something bigger than yourself and your own, um, desires. Mm -hmm. And then the final candle represents everybody else on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) And so what I'll do is I'll sit before these candles and before I light you one, I'll say my, I'll speak my intention to those things mm. to the higher power. I'll say like, 
Thank you for always providing what I'm thinking. And thank you for teaching me lessons, even in things I don't want to learn, mm-hmm. like getting my fucking car towed, <laughs> right? <laughs> to my friends and family, I, I ex- express my gratitude and my my thankfulness that they are healthy and whole and well, and that, that they're here on this journey with me and that I'm allowed to do amazing things like podcasts with them. <laughs> And the third one for my work, I always want my podcast and my poetry and my work to serve a bigger purpose than me and that I hope it makes people feel less alone. And to everybody else on the planet, I hope that I greet you with as much openness and understanding and compassion that I can provide. And to remember that everybody's on a journey. We don't know where what people are dealing with or where they came from and that the best thing we can do for this world is approach them with an open heart. And so that's my blind date for the week. Oh, that's so lovely. Thanks. I really love it. I'm not, I've never been religious, um, but I really, I find that it centers me and connects me to other people in the world. And that's all that I can ask of a higher power. I love that. Thanks. I love you. (laughs) I love you too. (laughs) Okay. So. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at JustBreakUpPod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. And most importantly, you can send us your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, where you can also find our Just Break Up merchandise and the Patreon that you're going to subscribe to. <laughs> uh, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review. This helps us keep the lights on, and it helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Yeah, and you know what else would help us keep the lights on? Patreon. <laughs> $5 a month. Uh, and original recording, rec- original recording, editing, and producing by our friend Big Cats, who we want to pay. <laughs> Please make sure to check out his awesome podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, this week, instead of sharing an affirmation, we want to share a super special letter from one of our listeners. Um, yeah, so this is from Benny Alexander, who is writing to us from Ontario, Canada. Benny writes, hey, loves, first off, I just want to say I adore your podcast, and I hope you know how much it's needed in a world where so many hearts and minds are need mending. You, gl- you go, Glenn Coco. <laughs> My letter is more a ray of hope rather than a plea for help. Ever since I was young, I lack confidence because of my physical appearance. I have a condition called neurofibromatosis, which is fancy talk for a genetic disorder that causes tumors to form on nerve tissue, mostly on my skin surface. As you can imagine, growing up in this society wasn't easiest. the easiest. Ever since I w- decided to start dating early tw- 2004, ew, I'm old, <laughs> I was in and out of toxic relationships. When one would end, shortly I would enter into another, and for too long, toxicity was the only consistent thing in my life. I firmly believed you accept the love you think you deserve. So after a while, this was all that I knew. Then I met someone who changed everything. I met my partner three years ago through a dating app. Long story short, I matched with her friend, and her friend immediately thought I would be a good fit for her. Asked if I wanted her number, and bam, the rest is history. We have been together ever since, and we're getting married in 2020. She is completely supportive, is a beautiful soul, and accepts 100% of who I am, which at one point I thought was impossible. Mm. The point of this story is to not gloat, but to give hope to those who might need it. There are kind and loving people out there who want to know you and love you. So simply, don't give up searching. Thanks for all you do. (laughs) Oh, my God, I'm crying. Uh, uh, love Benny. Benny, thank you so much for writing. Thank you. I think we all needed to hear that little piece of goodness. Absolutely. 
And remember, if all else fails. Just break up. (laughs) 